Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming at you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Today's guest, we have Jeff Berman of Divided Heavens, a solo artist, super fucking cool guy, along with guest host uh, Dan Shields again. I knew that uh, Jeff was coming on the show, so I had texted Dan Shields, because Dan's one of my good buds, asked him if he knew who he was. He's like, yeah, he's cool. Jeff's a cool guy. I was like, hey, do you want a uh, guest host again? He said yes. Didn't know that they actually knew each other that well because uh, Jeff remembered Dan and they talk about the court tavern and Dan making them food. So that was a uh, that was small world. It was it was really cool. Um, Jeff was as nice as he could be to come on the show. If you're listening to this the day it releases, he is actually on tour starting on the day of this release. So if you're listening to this on February 23rd and live in the Nashville area, you can go see him at Daisy Dukes and then he'll be doing Nashville. It looks like he's going to the Southwest. On out to California, up to Oregon, Washington, and ended in Vegas. So, you know, if you're listening to this in February or March, look him up and go see him on tour right now. Also, uh, check him out at DividedHeaven.com. He's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all just Divided Heaven. He's his got a really good website. Uh, he's man, great musician. Uh, our first guest to be on the show with a verified Facebook account. Obviously, I had to ask him all about that. And it's not really that exciting. Uh, I'm going to try to keep the intro short. We have a Divided Heaven song right in here that Jeff was nice enough to send over. Uh, I really just can't express how awesome it is when you find a musician, you like their music, and then it turns out that he's just, like, a nice person and uh, super talented. You know, I have a hard... I like solo artists a lot. But I think solo artist, it could be a tough thing. Like, it's kind of hard to win somebody over. But, you know, if you're uh, last week's episode with Tommy Gunn, he's a great solo artist. And then, uh, of course, he knows the scandal. So we've had Sean Carney on. So we've had, and uh, he also talks about Brian Birdsey, who was in the Epic Dudes podcast, who's been on this show. Uh, you know, just could not be nicer. I'm so happy. You know, go buy his new city, Youngblood. Find him on tour. Find him on the internet. Tweet him. Uh, go online, go on YouTube, and look him up doing a video cover at the fest of Saves the Day's Firefly, and then tweet Chris Connolly, tell him you saw it, because uh, it'd be fun. Make sure you uh, like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash let's just chat. Talk to me on the Twitter, uh, let's chat podcast is the handle. Our email is let's chat podcast at gmail.com. Always looking for more guests, always looking for more guest hosts, always looking just to talk to anyone who listens to this. Please subscribe, leave a review. I'm going to play uh, off of the title track off the new album, Young Blood. Uh, I'm going to play Young Blood right now, and at the end of the show, I'm going to throw up Melissa Militia. So, thank you, Jeff, letting me play those songs coming on the show. And here we are. I'm here. 
Skype meet you. Yeah, it's nice to Skype meet you as well. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. Uh, my co-host Dan, I, I don't know if you knew him by name, but he works at the Court Tavern in New Brunswick, and he remembered you, so that's why I had him on. Oh, cool. You can talk to him. Hey there. Hey, what's up, man? Yeah. How are you? Good. How's it going? It's going well, man. It's going well. Can't complain. I'm back home, finally, after being gone for forever, so I'm back in Los Angeles, and Relaxing for the afternoon. Afternoon. Oh. I bet it's not even snowing there either, you jerks. Oh, no. Of course not. Oh. Uh, no. Well, there's snow in the state of California. My drummer just went up to, what the hell is it called, Mammoth Mountain to go snowboarding. Oh, uh, yeah. The one yeah. time I went to California, I loved it, but that's all I could hear about. Was everyone's like, oh, I can go skiing and snowboarding and go to the beach on the same day. I was like, you son of a bitch, that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, what's the trick? You can, like, skateboard, surf, and snowboard all on the same day, I, you know. I've never done it. But you could. I've done, I could, yeah, I've done two in the same day. I've done, 
you know, surfing and skating in the same day. But I live at the beach, so it's relatively oh, easy man. for me to get to the water. Yeah. Oh man, that's amazing. Are, you're not by chance in Dogtown. I I saw that movie. Sorry. Uh, I am in the heart of Dogtown. Oh, I live is in it Venice, Venice Beach. Yeah. yeah. Is it cool? I I only saw the movie, so I don't know what it looks like today. You know, actually, I feel like I haven't watched the movie again since I've been living in Venice, and I've been here for six years. Oh, um, wow. But from what I remember from the movie, it's it's accurate. I, there was a, a a part in the movie where the the main guy describes Venice as a ghetto by the sea, and it's definitely not like that anymore. You know, but I've when I first got here, I was surprised at kind of how bougie it was, you know, or or chic and hip yeah. it was, and it's just uh, gone much more, much further in that direction than when I first got here six years ago. Um, granted, that was in the height of the, you know, recession. But now it's it's there's all all the places that I used to like to go to that were, you know, good restaurants but shitty restaurants or uh, you know just you know okay bars but like kind of crappy you know dive bars. They've oh, damn, all changed. That sounds right up your alley. Yeah, they've all changed to become like, you know, these kind of bougie places. And uh, there's always been an interesting dynamic between the the people that live in Venice in this area and the people that come here for the tourist attraction of the boardwalk and stuff, which is just kind of, you know, it's just a lot of transient people. It's kind of like a, a living, thriving free show. But now, in the past year, I've noticed that there's now kind of three kinds of people. There's... You know, people like me who are a little bit rougher and kind of represent, you know, the older side of Venice. There's the tourists, and then there's these, you know, wealthy young people that are that are moving here, which is great on one hand, and on the other hand, it's uh, just much different than how it was. And I, but I'm sure that there are people in the neighborhood that look at me and complain about me as some sort of, you know yuppie asshole so you know i, I, guess, I live in one of those identical neighborhoods but in providence where it's like no i'm not one of those people but like compared to the people who have lived in the same neighborhood for like 30 years i am but i'm like you know it's one of those that used to be kind of bad but now it's kind of nice yeah yeah that's crazy dan are you still on I'm still here. Oh, cool. My, I lost video, so I got confused. So I just want to make sure. Um, well, Jeff, thank you uh, for doing This is fucking awesome. Thanks for coming on. Um, oh, man. So basically, this is like the whole thing. It's just like a long-form conversational thing. If there's anything you want taken out, just let me know afterwards. I'm not like – I don't care. Like I'm, I won't be like, no, this is journalism. So like, But we're also not usually ones that shit talk too much unless you guys want to. I don't care. Oh, no, I'm not a shit talker, but we can swear. I guess that's the only swear, question. Swear, do whatever the hell you want. It doesn't matter. Um, cool. I've said some pretty weird stuff on here. Um, yeah, I think my I think my grandma knows that I've done drugs now, which is kind of cool. <laughs> I think it's also kind of weird. I think it's weird. From this podcast? Listens. Yeah, from the podcast. Oh, well. I've always taken out any of my drug reference usages because I know my parents will listen, but now I don't really do anything fun so it doesn't matter if they hear it well if your grandmother and your parents respectively are listening i can say that i am not a drug user <laughs> so maybe that'll win me some favors with either of them <laughs> that's why this whole here is just a ruse to get some respect from our family back oh uh, i'm i am not a drug user anymore yeah <laughs> oh yeah but in california is marijuana even really story. a drug because it's kind of legal there but it's kind of not um, I mean, yeah, 
I mean, I don't know. It's I mean, I consider legal it... for white people. To, when I was there, it felt that way. Yeah, I mean, it's legal if you get the prescription for it. You get the prescription for it by going to one of these quack doctors here on the boardwalk, and you claim that you have, you know, insomnia or, or chronic back pain, you know, whatever. And and it is what it is. I'm not I'm not knocking the drug itself, but because I don't really give a shit about marijuana, whether it's legal or illegal. I don't think of it in terms of an adult-minded capacity. I still think of it as this thing that we worked so hard to obtain when we were teenagers. <laughs> so to me, it's it's still a drug. You know, I'm sure yeah. there are still teenagers that are like desperately trying to get a hold of weed here in the area because they're not old enough to get those cards. You know, you have to be uh, 18 or 19. But yeah, I, I don't know. I would say that that weed culture out here is a deterrent. I think it's kind of annoying. I think it's a little bit. <laughs> I think it's kind of stupid. That's kind of <laughs> funny, yeah. Like the whole thing you want as a teenager, then you get old enough to have it. You're like, yeah, whatever. But I'm the same way with with a lot of that stuff. You know, I I don't want to come across like I'm insensitive to the plight of cocoa bean and coffee bean farmers in Central and South America or Africa or anything. But I don't want to go to a coffee shop where they're going to tell me everything about the coffee bean before they sell me a drink, you know, oh, like yeah. the, the fancy side of that. Because I just I don't like that. It's the same thing with cheeseburgers. It's like, oh, this is grass fed beef, 100 percent pure grass fed. And this is cave age cheddar eight years. I'm just like, shut the fuck up and just fucking give me the fucking burger and my coffee. Like, I don't I just don't want to talk about that stuff with people. And it's the same with weed. People, people, they just like incessantly like talk about it. You're like, I don't care. Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. The burgers, it's... the burgers, the only one that that uh, that I want to hear about. I well, want to know what type of grass that cow was eating. <laughs> <laughs> everything, everything else, just put the fair coffee enough. in the cup. Yeah. Well, yeah, cheese. I don't mind hearing about uh, my cheese options, but I don't care about how it was made. I just like to know what my options are. Yeah, yeah. Because I hate when you go to somewhere and it's just like, you know, your typical, like, oh, American or Swiss, but if you have, like, a gargonzola or a blue in there or maybe some brie. I don't Not brie. You wouldn't put brie on a hamburger, but I love blue yes, cheese. you would. You would? Of course. Huh. Every yeah, I'll try, any, I'll try anything once, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I love that fancy shit. I love that fancy coffee. I just don't want to talk to anybody about it. No, so when you're on tour, are you able to like even get the fancy shit or like, I I, I listen. I I've never personally like I I can't play or sing or anything, but I've always had friends who are musicians in tour, and and I, a couple of cousins who've done it. And in my head, I'm like, it must be so cool. You go to all these small cities and get neat culture. But I guess once you do it as a grind, it's like, Applebee's, fucking Target, Walmart parking lot, Starbucks, repeat. Yeah, I mean it's a slippery slope when you try to maintain a, a semblance of a of a diet and you don't have a good plan to go along with it. And that's always been my problem is that my intentions are always very good, but my implementation of my diet often leads to me just spending a little bit more money on food than I would have otherwise liked to. You know, but there were there were places I mean, the Court Tavern was a great example until the last time I played there when there was no food. But before it was Thanks, Dan. Like, all right. It was like, all right, we're we're going to the the court. Like we know we'll get some some food that's at least somewhat healthy, but at least it's like good food and and it's 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 quality. It's not 
fast food. It's not chain restaurant nonsense. It's it's food that is handled you know with care and and is delicious. And um, I think the same thing can be attributed to you know if you're in a place that's known for cheesesteaks or. I really like the food in Atlanta because I like Southern food. Oh, um, dude, barbecue is the best. Yeah, or if, if you're in Texas, you know, I, I do the barbecue thing. So I try to take in the local flavor as much as I can. Um, but being a singer, I, I kind of have to watch that. I can't load up on on anything, let alone you know heavy meats and shit before <laughs> before trying to to perform a little bit later in the evening. But, uh, but it's I a never challenge. Thought about for sure. that. So like you have to live the entire day for, for showtime and like I don't know I would just eat like a shit ton of Taco Bell and feel gross all day <laughs> and then get drunk. Yeah, it's you know my my friend Brian Marquis who who does a a singer songwriter project similar to what I do with Divided Heaven. He he's just a machine. Like he played a show he played the Divided Heaven um, Young Blood record release show last spring and. I went to go find him in the venue, you know, to be like, hey, so-and-so told me that you go on in 15 minutes. And he's like, all right. And as he says, all right, the server puts a fucking, like, onion ring, bacon-loaded cheeseburger down in front of him that he ordered. And I'm like, are you going to fucking eat that now? He's like, oh, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. And I was like, what the fuck, man? I, I, I I can't have anything like that that soon, you know what I mean? I have trouble having, like, carbonated you know beer like carbonated beverages that he's <laughs> he's an anomaly i would say i don't think most people can down a whole burger and then go sing solo and you know do falsettos and shit like that but more it's power definitely to not something that's that's comfortable there's a whole lot right. of whole lot of burger that comes uh right in the right in the back here throughout mid-song it's not it's not pretty <laughs> no damn were you cooking at the court when jeff was playing Oh, so Dan, Dan probably cooked your food back then. Oh, I know. I, at least at least three times. Um, wow. And then when I was there in December, this most recent time, uh, you were there later in the night, but the kitchen was long closed, right? Yeah, yeah it was. And then there was uh, the place next door that you went to that you left also closed, right? Yes, but that's actually now open up inside of the core tavern. So oh, there, interesting. There's cheesesteaks at the core tavern now. Oh man, that's fucking they, cool. They they are delicious. They're doing they're doing a, a a really cool thing. Just kind of getting creative with all sorts of different cheesesteaks. Is this yeah. a missed opportunity that they're in New Brunswick and they're not doing fat sandwiches? And I can't be the only one thinking that. No, that that market is pretty much cornered. Yeah, this is why I don't own any food restaurants either. So far, I've accomplished uh, telling you guys everything I can't do. Uh, sing, play instruments, or own a restaurant. So just, <laughs> just let you know. Wait, are the are the the grease traps, or what are they called? Grease trucks? Yeah, the grease trucks. Are they still there? They, they aren't uh, in the – they had to move out of the parking lot, but okay. they've, they've just dispersed uh, into – uh, like different dorm parking lots around the New Brunswick area, so they're all still around. You just have to. There's not a central location anymore, right? Which I guess is, I mean, it's probably better that way. There's there's less fights in that 
parking lot. Oh yeah, I was only there once, and and we were the only people there. Oh, that's that's yeah. good. Yeah, it was summertime yeah. though, so that makes sense. They were also out of ninety five percent of the things on the menu. That's which I, yeah. That's just uncalled for. Uncalled for. <laughs> um, yeah, unlike Friday on the on the weekend nights, Friday and Saturday at. You know, one thirty, two o'clock. It was just swarmed. There was hundreds of people just sloshed and in that little area. They're just throwing throwing fat sandwiches out the window. Like, yeah, well, I don't care who the, got it. Wasn't that the collection of trucks the catalyst behind this food truck phenomenon that kind of blew up a couple of years ago? Because there have always been food trucks, and in LA there have been taco trucks for decades. But the, um, you know, this idea that you can get these crazy things, these crazy sandwiches, or these crazy whatever—I don't know—the like food was... truck thing. I, I I give credit to New Brunswick. I, I got to say that's probably where the idea. Yeah, actually, I, I thought the same thing as you, Jeff. I just assumed that that was like the the, the tipping point, and then, and yeah, I didn't know about the taco trucks in LA though. I know those have been there for that long. Yeah, man, and they're legit. They're really good. You know, most of them, anyway. Um, yeah. Last time Dan was up here, we uh, uh, it was actually a burrito, a burrito truck. So, never mind. But we uh, we we dined at a, a Poco Loco at a dive bar in Providence. Dan and I. Well, Dan doesn't live there, but he was visiting up here. That was a good time. I, I'm a big fan of food trucks, personally. Uh, they're fucking great. I love it. Um, so you're from. Pennsylvania. I did a little research. Uh, where's Lan- Lancaster? Is that correct? Yeah, Lancaster. It's about an hour and a half west of Philadelphia. Oh, okay. So if you look at Philly and then you go west, the first like major town you hit yeah. would be Westchester. And then if you drive through the farmland about another 40 miles, you Oh, that's like Ben Margera world, right? Westchester? Yes, yes. I remember that show. Yeah, um, Lancaster not so much, but, but yeah. It's all so kind like, of the relative was, area. Was Philadelphia like part of your life growing up? Because like I grew up in Connecticut, maybe like two hours from New York City, which now it sounds like nothing. But like growing up, like New York might as well have been like the nexus of the universe. Like I had no ties to New York. You know, it's weird that you say that because I I agree with you. Um, in terms of the question about Philadelphia, I never liked Philadelphia. I still don't like. Philadelphia, and um, it wasn't something that I actually really enjoyed, but it was kind of the the biggest hub for anything that would kind of happen in my area. You know, if it was a band that a show that my band was going to play, you know, it was like a big deal and a goal to get to Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, you know, or if we were going to go, like Lancaster is is kind of equal distance from Baltimore as it is from Philly. So if it was a matter of going to a a major event, you know, like a baseball game or something, it could be, you know, either one. But because it was Pennsylvania, I feel like maybe we leaned a little bit more towards going to to Philly and stuff. And I ended up having a lot more friends in Philly than I did in Baltimore while I was growing up there. But yeah, you know, it was weird that you mentioned that about New York because New York, growing up, New York to me was just this unattainable giant beast of a 
city, and I was so afraid of it when I was a kid. Oh yeah. It it didn't help that you know all the movies and stuff in the seventies and eighties, and even into the nineties, where you know Manhattan was just painted as this drug riddled crime heavy, you know. It's like, it was like the Wild West in a major city on the East Coast. and Even, like, kids' movies, too, like, because, like, Ninja Turtles 2 and, like, Muppets Take Manhattan didn't paint New York as this beautiful place to go. No, and it really wasn't, man. I mean, it was, like, not a very nice place for a long time. I mean, it, I'm, I was looking at it through the eyes of an 11-year-old, but, you know, I mean, it was... It, I wouldn't say it was far off from... You know, Hollywood is an exaggerated view of everything, so that was kind of an exaggerated view of, of Manhattan, but I don't know why my, my dad was born and raised in the city of Chicago, right in the city of Chicago. And my mom was born and raised in suburban Denver. Oh, wow. But they were both, they, they both were just incredibly nonchalantly, very fearful of New York. <laughs> and it, it kind of rubbed off on my, my sister and I. And I remember we went, on a family vacation there when I was in eighth grade and we got off the train in uh, Penn station and my dad grabs my arm and he's like, you know, every fucking asshole, crazy person that has ever existed has, is right here in New York. So just watch yourself. And I'm like, fuck, I'm fucking freaked out, you know? <laughs> and then like by the end of the weekend, I was like, Oh, this is nothing. Like it's, it's That's fine. Great. You know, it's fucking That's cold true. as shit, you know, but at that time, but, I just remember being so afraid of it, and then I I tried to go to college there, and I didn't end up going there. But I eventually moved there um, and got over my fear, thankfully. So what I was listening to your music, and like, um, you just sound super familiar. And so I, as I mean, and like, I feel like I must have known your other work. Like, what bands were you in? Uh, well, I, the most notable band I was ever in was was a band called The Boils. We were a, a Philadelphia-based um, street punk band, and, and we did a significant amount of touring. And I was in that band from um, 2001 until 2006. And then um, when I lived in D.C. and I was in college, I, I played in a band called VPR with um, some of the older hardcore dudes down there. Oh, nice. And I was, in a, I was in a band called The Statics when I was in high school. That was in Lancaster. And then, you know, when I was in New York, I, I played bass for friends' bands or, you know, would just kind of do these little pickup gigs here and there until I started, you know, kind of getting serious with Divided Heaven. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, Divided Heaven was the first thing I ever, I ever sang in. That was the first thing I ever did oh, nice. as, a, as a singer. Yeah. So you were like oh one to oh six or whatever you said that yeah that's because that's around the same time I was like going to concerts when I was I'm thirty so that was like my time frame so it wouldn't be impossible I feel like I must have seen your band somewhere down the line like yeah I mean we played Providence a few times and we played uh, Boston a few times um, did you ever do Connecticut we you know I think the only place the Boyles ever played Connecticut was was Danbury um, yeah Empress Ballroom yes yeah I think it's called something else now but yeah. All right, there must be there may, maybe that's that's crazy that's awesome. Um, yeah. Damn. So you've been you've been at it for a fucking ever, and you're the first guest I've ever had on who had a Facebook verified official. Oh yeah. <laughs> How do you get that? Were you surprised <laughs> that day? That yeah, I was I was very surprised. I was just like, all right, 
let's let's get it let's go <laughs> you know i i didn't do anything to earn it it was just deemed upon me all my information matched up and then um uh, you know there's a, there's an app that came out um uh, a facebook app that came out called mentions yeah and i i looked at it in an email and i thought like you know it was for jay-z or beyond it's like for famous people to keep track of their you know what people are saying about them essentially it kind of like aggregates differently than a regular uh, facebook profile page at least that's my understanding of it and i filled out that stuff that information to be accepted to that it, and it was you know really really basic stuff you know my name my information the band name a website and um and then I got sent this thing, this five number code, and I typed that in, and then all of a sudden I had access to this link, and then what? I had, I had the the blue check mark. So, has yeah, that helped I mean, you out in any way, shape, or form in your career, like music career? I think so. I, I mean, I, it's not a, a tangible, you know, unit of measurement that I can use to to gauge any sort of serious impressions that that little check mark has made. I mean, I've had people comment to me about it and people ask me about it, but I, you know, it, it, it's not a, um, it's not like a surefire thing to like superstar them. It doesn't, you know, mean anything. My, I, I, I would really think that maybe it's just because, you know, because I live in Los Angeles, I live in a, a bigger city that maybe yeah. they kind of maybe kind of look at stuff in the big cities more. And, you know, if I was, akin to, you know, I don't know, um, punk rock, indie rock, singer-songwriter X that lives in Omaha, you know, they'll probably get to that person eventually as well. Oh, you mean but, Tim Kasher? <laughs> yeah, yeah, or somebody. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only um, person I could think of from the Nebraska. I was like, and then, oh, I, Bright Eyes, the, that guy, who's the other one. Oh, I'm yeah, with. I'm That's, sure he's he's probably very I'm, I'm sure he, I think you're right. Uh so what the boils broke up with oh eight and then so what what was your what did you or disbanded what was your uh, journey from that to becoming singer songwriter solo? Well, it actually began in in the fall of two thousand three. I was going to college at American University in Washington D.C. and I had an opportunity to study abroad for a semester and I went to Berlin, Germany, for the fall semester of two thousand three and it was the first time in you know practically you know eight or nine years since i was a little kid that i wasn't going to band practice regularly and i wasn't playing shows regularly i wasn't with my bands i just i didn't i didn't have any of that over there you know i was over there to be a student for five months and that was my priority and um i took a a four-track tape recorder and a guitar with me just so i could have it in you know my apartment over there and write songs and play songs so that i wouldn't you know be guitarless for five months because that just sounded like hell. So I um I started writing songs that I think piqued my interest and in, in kind of tapped into more of my sensitive songwriting, I would say. And um, I really liked it. And then I would try to write some lyrics and they weren't very good and I would try to sing and it was horrific. But I, I, I thought that what I was playing on guitar was really cool. So it, that was kind of where the idea was was birthed, but it didn't come to fruition until I was living in New York years later um, when I was bandless, you know, in 2006. And I decided to take singing lessons and really kind of get serious about becoming a, a songwriter and trying to do it on my own. And then I started playing 
here and there in New York in 2007, and I didn't, I didn't like it. I really didn't like the isolation of being on stage alone. I didn't like the hustle of being the only guy in a band. And uh, I put it on the back burner for two years. And in that time, I moved to Los Angeles and uh, ended up getting booked on a show. And I met this one friend of mine, Bradley, who insisted that we do some recordings together. And that just kind of got the the ball of momentum rolling. And then from there, it's been, you know, a couple records and years of touring. And you know, it's pretty wild. It's it's wild to me to think that it was something that I I fell in love with when I first started doing it, even though I was terrible. And then I got good finally and just gave it up for <laughs> two years. Like, I, I was like, fuck it, I'm out. Like, I didn't want to do it. You were on a warp Tour last year, I saw. Yeah, they started doing an acoustic basement stage a couple years ago. And I did a handful of dates in 2012 and um oh wow a little bit of it this year as well and that was i mean that was it's weird you know but it's awesome are you driving like a van or are you like teaming up with people when you're going to warp no i was i was on a bus i was um on a sharing a bus with with oh okay a million other people (laughs) oh nice yeah yeah that was oh my god that was pretty fucking cool going on warp tour in a bus dude i i've never you know, I've been on tour buses before. I'd never, you know, ridden on a tour bus from gig to gig. It was awesome. I woke up refreshed and, you know, fucking, it, it was just unlike anything else I had ever experienced touring, you know. Because sleeping in a van overnight on a drive is doable, but it sucks. You oh, know? yeah. Having a bunk, you know, and like a place where you can whiz and like wash your face, you know. <laughs> Like a fridge where you can store shit. That's just crazy. It's just, it's just crazy. So Dan here is going out on his first tour pretty soon. Do you have any advice for him? Hmm, let me think. I'm not. I'm not actually playing. I'm just. He's uh, merchant. Merchant. Oh, you're, you're a merchant. <laughs> you're a merch guy. Well, I would say um, the best advice I can give you is even if you think it's cheesy put out a tip jar because sometimes people want to give you money even though they don't want to buy any of the shit that you're trying to sell. So I've actually, I've been trying to figure out what to put on the tip jar because I feel like a clever sign always, always wins out. You know what? If it says like beer and pizza money, I'll always drop a buck. But if it's like, Trying to feed my family. I know this sounds stupid. If it's something like just tips or just if it's not clever, I don't give a fuck. But I, I, I feel like I've done that too. Like I've totally just end up talking to merch dudes for like ten minutes, and then like they would have like a really cool tip sign and like, all right, you got me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is a low blow, but like, Dan, are you, are you planning on getting married soon or anything? You could put um, something to the effect of engagement ring fund or something. You'll just ooh. make a killing. Why not lie? That is pretty. Ah, uh, that's that's disingenuous. I don't know. The only person that I knew that ever did that, um, I think he's engaged. I, I, I assume he was. <laughs> 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 Either that, or it was a really good ruse. And <laughs> yeah, because we dudes I will... don't wear rings. Like we don't wear engagement rings. You just take our word for it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know that he's. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I let, I'm not going to say who it is, but I assume he's engaged. <laughs> He's definitely I mean, I still can... with the woman. Oh man! Uh, so how many tours have you done, man? Like, I was looking through your site. I was pretty 
pretty astonished. And like when I when I clicked your Facebook page, it was like three of my friends also had already like like it was like Sean, who I met through Dan from the Scandals, Tommy Gunn, and then like Brian Birdsey. I don't know if you ever listened to his podcast, X Epic Dudes X. Yeah, I was on it once for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have yeah. an interesting. I, I have a really interesting story about Brian. Um, I bet he'll listen to this. So, Brian, I hope you hear this. No, this was this is this is like the 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 reason why he and I even know each other or associated. But he, um, he and his uh, now wife Kristen, they went to Vegas Memorial Day weekend of uh, 2013 to go to the punk rock bowling and music festival that's okay. held out there. And they got married on a Friday morning at the courthouse there or at a chapel somewhere. And then I was playing, I was opening up for Andrew Jackson Jihad that night as part of the festival. So they were at the festival and I was just there alone, you know, but I was the first band quote unquote that they had seen since tying the knot earlier that day. So they came up to me after my set and started talking to me and shared that information with me, which I thought was really cute. And, um, you know, it was just like a cute little moment. We kind of got to know each other. We had some drinks. And then at the end of the night, you know, we're a little bit buzzed. And he's like, you know, I think my friend and I are going to start a record label and we're just going to do, you know, cassette tapes, just limited edition cassette tapes. You know, you're doing a new record this summer. Like, let me put out the cassette release. And I was like, sure. Thinking that he would not actually do this. It would never come to pass. And it would just be, you know, drunk sincerity that doesn't lead anywhere. Lo and behold, we keep in touch. I finally finished the record and it came out um, last March. And... Say 10 Records did the digital and CD and the LP and all that stuff. And uh, Brian and his bud, they got it together and they did a fucking cassette release of my re- my record. And it sounds awesome. The packaging looks awesome. It's these like bright red cassette tapes. And uh, it's just cool, man. It's just kind of like a, a cool a cool thing to have for my own collection, if nothing else. And they, uh, just the sentimental, you know, memorable token of their anniversary is is kind of embodied in in the project of putting out the tape to begin with so so i think that's awesome i I yeah i had those dudes on here and then found out that i had known the hem from folly shows for years and years we used to always go to the same shows together like connecticut new jersey new york and i was like oh i remember you yeah that's awesome man that's fucking cool and i just love that about like the punk rock community like you just you don't know who you know just like i was kind of blown away that you guys even like remembered each other and were on like different yeah. lists. Like, yeah, yeah, no, I mean that's that's my favorite story and you know every time somebody just picks up a cassette tape from my merch table I always have to say you know just humor me and let me share this story with you. And then I share the story with them and it's like the best way of selling cassette tapes ever. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> but if people are just looking at it and like cassette date, why? And I'm yep. just like, oh, yep. let me. It's actually a really beautiful little love. And they're just like walking away, you know. But I, I will attest that if a band member, when I was younger, more or less. But if a band member was selling merch, I'm like ten times more likely to buy something. Generally, because I just want to talk to the band member. Like I remember, like 
I bought in shirts off bands I didn't even like. Like, I didn't even like the shirt. It was just because, like, you wanted to keep the conversation going. Like, uh, what else you got? You know what I mean? Are you serious? See, I always, I often wonder about that because... When I was younger, for sure, yeah. Sometimes I think that... I think that dy- the dynamic for me being a solo artist is different. But sometimes people only want to buy merch if I'm the one selling it. And then sometimes people do not... It's like there's an intimidation or something. They don't want to buy from me. You don't want to ruin me. the facade. Yeah, they don't want to mm-hmm. talk to me. They I just totally, think it's uh, like a, it's 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 like a, you have to be able to to hover and um, to hover and adjust to each situation. So you're always like three feet away from the table. Mm-hmm. But if they're too scared, have somebody else sell merch. Yeah, they're like, oh my, oh my god, that was great. Okay, let me let me show you all of the things that you can buy. <laughs> I definitely just... one time bought a shirt off of Frank Turner that I didn't that didn't even fit me because I just loved his music so much and I was like I, I I feel like I need to say hi to him and he's working the merch table and then it's all he had. It's like okay, I'll take it. So that was embarrassing. Yeah. No, that's interesting because I it, I don't know the answer to it. I, I think I think Dan's probably right. It's yeah. just you have to kind of be. Within arm's length, but not yeah necessarily the one that uh, is doing everything, you know. And then I'm sure musician like must all all solo musicians must love and very like like dudes who look like me just want to come over and fan out. It'd be like really another one of you <laughs> can't a female talk to no. me for once. No, I, I like it, man. I don't I don't mind that shit. It's <laughs> it's like the I I dislike the people that hover at the table. Mm-hmm. That don't want to buy anything that are trying to tell you about something else, yeah. you know. Like I remember, I, I played in Fort Lauderdale or something in October, and the guy like, came up and started talking to me at the merch table because that's where I was standing, and uh, it was this conversation that just kept going that I did not have any interest in, to the point where I was like, you know, oh, well, did you want to pick up a CD? Or did you want a t-shirt or something? And he's like, no, no. And I'm like, why the fuck are you talking to me? And he's just going on and on. Oh, you know, the next time you come to town, the next time you come to town, you should play this place. This place such and such in Lake Worth. It's great. And I'm just like, motherfucker, like, no. Like, <laughs> I live 3,000 miles away. I'm here now. Yeah, talk. Yeah, sell me on another venue. That sounds in, great. In Fort Lauderdale, the, the hot yeah. spot of America. Really, because I should go to the other place because you're here right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> yeah. no. What what, uh, what parts of the country have you found like more enjoyable that kind of get looked upon? Like, like, you know, besides like the big cities, like, like, uh, do you ever hear of the band Paulson? I used to really like them. I know the name. I, yeah. I can't say was, I've ever heard them. Yeah, I was like really I friendly with them. I don't want to say we're friends, but like I we were friends at one point in time. But like, I remember Alex at one time years ago wrote this really great like uh blog to musicians about not ignoring like small towns and small cities of a way to like grow the band and like little places in texas like a small city like a wichita falls texas could have the same value as an austin and things like that yeah that's an interesting question i the first thing that comes to mind is the cities that tend to have you know really really prevalent um, how do I say this politically correct? Red states? 
No, 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 no. I, 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 I don't know. I, I want to say that cities that have such a strong um, coolness, or dare I say hipster oh, aesthetic, yeah, yeah. Yeah. or cities that just kind of represent in a lot of ways like this weird, like one-sided culture that people perceive as being really interesting. And I mean places like Austin, mm-hmm. places like um, New Orleans, um, Portland, Oregon is a big one. <sighs> places like that, I, I don't like playing um, because the shows are typically not very good, which is okay. I can deal with bad shows, but um, Nashville, same thing. It, it's It's like this pride that's a a unique pride this superior pride that their city is the the best and you know you get people that you it's they're known as being music cities but then when you get there very few people actually give a shit about people touring there Mm -hmm. you know and then on the other hand yeah yeah and, and you know some bigger cities as well are just difficult because they're big and there's always a lot going on like denver Chicago, Phoenix, um, Dallas. Like, there's just always a lot going on there, but they're typically good places to play. And then some places, you know, like Laramie, Wyoming has been really good to me. Las Cruces, New Mexico has been really good. Um, there's a small city called Susanville, California, which is a really good stop for, for me and for the band. Um, you know, parts of, uh, you know, like Olympia, Washington has been really good. Gosh, where else? You know, I, so it's not so much like small towns necessarily, but, you know, the smaller cities that are kind of related to, you know, short distance wise. Cause Laramie, Wyoming to Denver, Colorado is like two and a half hours. It's nothing crazy, but oh, wow. it's a, it's a world of difference, you know, and mm-hmm. Las Cruces from Albuquerque is like three hours, but it's a world of difference. And like Lancaster to uh, Philly. Yeah, yeah. Lancaster yeah. is a very good example of that, of a place where people can play that they'll probably do a lot better than they think they will. And they'll probably do better in Lancaster than they would in Philadelphia or Baltimore. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those spots, man. And I think Richmond kind of falls into that category Virginia? too. Yeah, I think people would yeah. think that DC is a better place to play, but usually Richmond's a better place, you know. I've heard Richmond's surprisingly cool. Yeah, Richmond's awesome. That's the little travel I've done in the country. Is all I found out is like, especially you grow up in the Northeast, you get this like you grew up with this view of the South, and you kind of look down upon it, which is not fair. And everywhere you go, there's like every, it's fucking cool, man. Anywhere you go, there's like nice people, and it's just like there's something cool everywhere you go. I mean, of course, there's those Passover towns with that like strip malls and walmarts but like we have that in connecticut like everywhere seemed to have their little blend of unique culture that makes it special yeah exactly and it's what makes you know part of what makes touring so much fun is that you know the just i'll use the word vibe is the best yeah. way to describe it it's just a different feeling than well, anything else the world I, I i was reading your site you've gone all over yeah i mean i've been very been very fortunate and i've worked hard to to kind of get all over but um, I don't have, you know, for when I'm in a place that's so different, I don't have the cultural palette to distinguish really between, you know, certain 
place in Germany and another place in Germany, unless, you know, I'm really kind of concentrating on the vibe of something, but generally. Is it true to be a musician and make money these days? You really do have to do Europe and overseas? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that's specific to, um, you know, kind of specific to the the individual musician. I, I do well in Europe. I think Germany is the place that Divided Heaven does the best mm-hmm. in terms of presence, brand recognition, sales, um, interest, and enthusiasm. I think Germany is the best. But then I go to Holland and Belgium and France, and no one really care you know <laughs> cares and then i'm in the uk and it's like people are so into it but it's hard to have good shows over there it's just it's just a weird place so yeah i don't know if that answers your question no no yeah but, yeah because my co- i have like cousins and friends who have toured and like my cousin aaron is in um a metal band called red fang and like they make all of their money like they make their career up doing i think it's more because they're like stoner rock but like that's how they make a living is by playing Europe. I think a lot of, of of bands and even bands that I love, I'm convinced that they don't make. They certainly don't make as much money touring in the states as they used to, and they can probably make even more money touring in Europe than they ever did. Um, I don't want to piss anybody off with this podcast, let alone you know, oh, no, fucking fine. fucking Freddie from Madball. But I'd be willing to bet that. Madball's recent U.S. tour was okay to good. I don't. I bet it probably wasn't great. I just but, had um, Tom, who started. Who I don't know if you're familiar with Washed Up Emo, like the revival stuff. It's like a podcast yeah. and blog. So I had Tom on there, and we were joking. I was talking with him, and then I was telling like when the first. I told him the story when I was in like high school. And Dan, you probably get a laugh out of this too. The first, I didn't know what punk or hardcore was, and the first time I heard Madball, I thought it was hip hop. And so I was start like, well, I'm telling this funny story, and he's like, I'm gonna tell Freddie that when I see him next. I was like, oh my god, I'm I'm gonna get murdered, aren't I? <laughs> but I don't think Freddie Madball listens to this, so I think we're okay. <laughs> I think so, probably. Um, I don't think he'd give a shit. <laughs> right. I don't think you're in a band called Madball. Like you're not in Madball for 20 years and get slightly offended by someone you don't know. Said, you don't know my numbers about touring, damn it. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, I just tour. It's just. You're you you know you've been doing music a while and like the industry has just completely changed since you started, so like making a career out of it, I give anyone credit. That's fucking awesome. Thanks, man. I kind of miss. I can't say I miss the old way. I think that I would be doing better in an older system, and I think that everybody, um, I think everybody would be doing better in an older system. Um, yeah. But maybe like an older system done right, because maybe you wouldn't have been able to get your stuff out there, because the gatekeepers wouldn't have let you in. Uh, I don't know, know. man. I think think that idea of... But you had the DIY thing going. Yeah, I I don't know, man. With all due respect, I think this idea of gatekeepers or, you know, the old guard that wouldn't let anybody in. Yeah. With all due respect to, to your point, with all due respect to the Grammys, I mean... On one hand, that still really, really exists, yeah. but on the but on the other hand, like it's kind of work. It's kind of all based on on work ethic, I think. You know, um, mm. no, yeah, I see. The uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm a firm believer that when things happen for certain bands and they don't happen for other bands, it's because 
they come from what we understand in punk and hardcore, you know? Yeah, um, no, I believe that. Because there's more to being a band than the music. Like, there's more to it. Yeah, you know, and it it, it, it kind of opens my horizon and, and allows me to cheer for people and that I might not otherwise cheer for. You know, I'm trying to think of an example, but, uh, you know, AFI had a couple gold records yeah. know, in a row, and they were doing really well, and then they've had a couple records that haven't done really well. But I think that they're such a smart band, and they have such a good work ethic because they came from the cloth that we come from that in some form or another, I think AFI will probably be making records in 25 years, you know, um, dashboard confessionals, another good example, you know, he's, Chris is doing a different project called oh, yeah, twin, twin forks. Are great. Twin forks. Yeah. It's cool. You know, it's, it's, it's different, you know, for him, which I, I like. And, um, you know, I think if, if he was just somebody plucked out of, from you know obscurity and placed into superstardom you know by some like hollywood executive schmuck and and that person would have had the success that dashboard had you know 10 or 11 or 12 years ago and then had that success dissipate in the way that it did you know they're probably not doing anything musically at all but he's like all right well the world's not ready for a new dashboard record i'm gonna do something different for a few years and you know, it doesn't fucking necessarily sound punk rock, but to me, that's like attitude and attitude wise, that's the most punk thing that he could fucking do. Just, yeah, just that's fair. try something different and and, and just kind of keep chipping away at it. So, did you listen to Further Seems Forever, his old band before that? Yeah, the only record I really liked was the one that he was on. To be yeah, honest, yeah, I think that's the sentiment for everybody. Yeah, it's like yeah, I like that first one, and then. I, 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 I came to them late. I didn't know about them until after I heard of Dashboard. And I but um I like I like Dashboard a lot more now. I remember having that phase where sort of, by the time I heard about them they were super popular and I just remember not liking it, but then I I would be guilty of listening to Dashboard rather frequently. Oh yeah, man. Certain songs. He's great. Um and um you know who else keeps at it too? Matt Pryor, the get up kid, still still doing it. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Totally. I think the Get Up uh, Kids are doing a tour again, but like, yeah. I think a lot of the older dudes you see as like more weekend warriors, but you know, people have kids and life changes, and there's other avenues. But that's how things go. Um, yeah, and to save our rep with uh, you know, Stigma and Roger Murray and fucking Freddie Madball and that whole crew. I mean, I give those bands credit, like, for still existing, and, and you know, they they tour a lot smarter than they used to be because they kind of have to, but I, I think that's awesome. You know, I love the fact that there's a new agnostic front record coming out this year. Yeah. I think that's, that's awesome. You know, I think that's, that's great. Do, do, doesn't a lot of that music do really well in like Central America too? I think so. I think so. In South America, Brazil, I yeah, think. Yeah, like youth core, hardcore and that kind of stuff. And, and hardcore is like huge down there. Yeah. Dan, yeah. do you know where you're going for your three weeks as merch? Uh, I'm going in a van. <laughs> I know you're coming to Providence, but like, how far west are you going? Uh, not not too far. I think um, I don't know Minnesota or I don't. Damn it! <laughs> who, are you, the... who are you going with, Dan? 
Uh, going out with um, the Scandals. Oh, you are. I know that band. Yeah, they're doing um, they're doing the American leg of this uh, Gaslight tour. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, yeah, I figured I'd get like super irresponsible and just um, hop in a van because why not? Maybe oh, yeah. uh, one of the guitarists of the Scandals accidentally doesn't come home, right, Dan? No, no, I want them both to come home because I love them dearly. Yeah, no, they're all dude, they're good dudes. Um, I was gonna say, uh, you're about to go on tour. Is this? Are you supporting the new record, Youngblood? Yeah, I'm still. Uh, you know, the record's almost a year old, but I'm still in that mindset of new record mode, if if you will. Does so that, yeah, does that I'm change keep with going. the industry now? Like, just tour, tour, like record cycles just extended. Um, no, I, I think they're shortened. Um, I think there's a, uh, I, I don't know. It's like a, I don't know how to describe it necessarily, but I think with really, really big bands or like you know, humongous artists like Jay-Z or, or Katy Perry, yeah, they don't want to do a new record every year or necessarily every two years, but when they do one, they want it to make obviously as big of a splash as it, as it can. And so there kind of needs to be either some mystery or some subtle hibernation, you know, and then pop out of the closet like, yo, we're fucking here. Here's this new record that's available on Samsung phones or however the fuck they're doing it. And then, you know, with the <laughs> artists that are, are, are kind of like smaller, you know, kind of below that with the, um, you know, kind of like the Ed Sheerans or the Imagine Dragons or, you know, that kind of stuff. I I think labels really want something from them like every year and a half, you know. And then I think independents kind of follow that that thing. You know, I had I was talking with an agent and and they were saying that well, why don't we start working, you know, when we do this next when you do this next record. And I was like, "No, motherfucker. Like this record is is great. I'm really proud of it. And it's still new. There's still mileage to get out of this, you know? So I, I think everyone kind of has the, maybe a, a somewhat of a different mindset. I try to look at it from a, a broader industry perspective and, um, you know, because albums are not as coveted, the album format rather is not as coveted as it used to be. Mm. It's more focused on, on songs again and, and singles, you know, people kind of get, in and out of that system, depending on the opportunity. And um, I think as much as independent labels try not to necessarily follow suit, they inevitably end up following suit. But I, you know, I kind of stick to my guns with that stuff. I like the traditional manner of putting out a record, doing a lot of touring for it, kind of completing the cycle, starting to write, starting to record, and and then kind of going at it again. So, you know, I'm not going to be on the road as much in 2015 as I was in 2014, but when I'm not on the road, I'm going to be writing new songs and starting to record the next record so that it's as much of a seamless transition as, as it can be. I think that's, um, that's definitely a, a type of the type of work ethic that still kind of pays off. Like where there is now where it is all singles based pretty much, um, just kind of sticking with, um, 
what has always worked, you know, that's, that's something that, that still continues, something that still continues to work that I've seen definitely at the court, just like each time somebody comes through, it gets better because they're working off this cycle. They're putting out a new album and they're coming back and it just, it just, it seems to work out that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's a matching game. I don't know. There, I was talking with somebody the other day about maybe doing a single, you know, a proper single with a B-side, and and it, it looks like it might happen. I, I don't know. But I can't see, I can't picture doing that and then doing a campaign, you know, a, a campaign around it, like a, a, a publicity campaign or a, uh, you know, touring around a new single. But that idea, I mean, that's like what bands used to do when they first came out. They would just have a single and, you know, that's what they would tour on. To me, that just seems a little bit of a foreign idea or an, an aged idea, but there are a lot of people that, that do that and, and I got to hand it to them. But I'm an album guy, you know, I like context. So I, I like to work hard to get around the world as much as I can to offer people that like my music as much context so that when they listen to a song, it's within the context of an album. When they hear me play that song in the context of a set list at a show, um, I think it makes it a little bit more inclusive and more inviting than if it's just one thing. So where is this next tour taking you? Um, Is it Midwest? No, no, I I did the Midwest in November and December, and um, this tour is going to be the South, the Southeast, and the Southwest, and the West Coast, and then uh, I'll be off for April, and then I'll be back on the road in May, and a little bit in the summer, and then into the fall, some more stuff. Now, do you go out full of band, or is it just you? Uh, you know, at, at this point, it's about... Two thirds of the time I'm solo, a third of the time I'm with the band, and I think about a third of this next tour, which is about a month and a half. A third of it is going to be with the band, and the rest of it will be solo. So yeah, I was watching I'm trying video, to increase uh, that. From the, from yeah. the, the fest, we need the Saves the Day cover. I was like, yes. Uh, that, was awesome. <laughs> yeah. that was cool. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I kind of forgot about that. To be honest with you. I yeah, I love why. that song. I, I had um someone on here who played Fest this year. I don't know if you've ever heard of Dead Bars. I know they played Fest. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've had uh, John from on here. It was cool. He's a super cool dude. Um, That Fest just sounds so fucking cool. Have you been? No, never. Oh, you got to go, man. It's it's just the best. It's like a mecca. It's so cool. It's it so much so fun. so much better. Like, not that I'm against South by Southwest, like I would love to go to that as well, but I felt like the fest is like right up my alley more. Yeah, and fest doesn't. I've never been to South by either, but my understanding is that it's uh, it too has changed. Yeah, and it used to corporate. be a little bit more of an insider thing, and now it's a kind of a bigger corporate game, which is which is fine. You know, that opens up more opportunities for more people to play. Honestly, so I have oh, yeah. more power to them. But yeah, the fest is. What I think South by would be if you trimmed the fat. <laughs> that's, you know, a good way not, your, that's a good way to put it. There's not too many people there with agendas. You know, I'm sure there are labels that are checking out bands, and you know, 
I signed, you know, I signed with a label when I was at Fest. So, I mean, it happens, but it wasn't like, a, it's, I don't think that's why people are necessarily going there. It's almost, um, like a big family reunion. The people that I see around the world throughout the year, um, I know will be there at Fest. And, um, yeah, so it, it's, it's cool. This, I played five years in a row. And then this year, 2015, I won't, I won't be there. I know I won't be there this year, so I'm already. What label did you sign to, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Say Ten Records out of Richmond, Virginia. Oh, nice! That's awesome. Yeah, that's really great. Um, man, thank you for doing this, Dan. Do you have any? Do either of you guys have anything to fall? Uh, I forgot because Dan's usually my guy. Like, I start things and forget. I'm being a bad co-host today. That's fine. (laughs) I just. I kind of I'm really enjoying listening to uh listen to you guys talk. <laughs> That's good. Um yeah, do you have any more last questions for Dan? Um when are you coming back to the Core Tavern? Yeah. The Core Tavern. Cheese steaks, man. Cheese steaks. Man, That's I'll like, be back uh, at the Core Tavern. Gonna... There's like a very very slim chance that I'll be there in May. Like really slim, but if not, I would say probably August or September is what I'm going to say. Okay. So it won't be for a while, but but I was just there, man. And I was supposed to be uh, – I had to cancel a week of my tour in December because of a family emergency. But I was supposed to play at the News Cafe in Pawtucket in mid-December, and uh, I hope to be back – in New England to make up some of those dates uh, in the summertime as well. That's the goal. Well, you act, you like remember your towns and stuff. I'm impressed. Yeah, man, I like that place. I yeah, I don't know if you know a band called Neutrinos from Providence area. No, but I know that um, ca- newsroom cafe. It's 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 nice. Yeah, man. Um, my friend Andrew, he's like, I think he works for that band K Sarah, and then he plays drums in this like, fucking Ramon style punk band that are awesome called neutrinos and uh we we had this huge like holiday party holiday christmas show planned and uh they booked it at news and it was it looked like it was going to be awesome the pictures looked like it it was great in my absence and uh yeah I, i missed that i missed boston i missed maine i missed connecticut i missed new hampshire i missed albany but shit happens it's okay but i i hope to be back Sooner than later, and uh, and yeah, and be safe with the Dan. Be safe with the the scandals, boys, and look out for them for me. I don't want them doing anything too stupid. I I can't guarantee anything. Um, I'm not I'm not the the largest man. Um, I'm sure I could keep like two or three from doing dumb shit most of the time, but there's always going to be one that gets away from. From a bear hug. You no, know. man. If you keep if you keep Jared Hart and Sean in line, they'll keep the other guys in line. Trust me. Trust right. me. That's that's the secret I needed. Yeah. But I, know, I mean, Jared's the ringleader, but to know to know the backup, that's key. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I feel like the perception is that Sean doesn't have any hand. But I think Sean has hand a little bit. I mean, you're right. Jared's Jared's the, Jared's the man, of course. But, I, uh, I 
I know an instigator when I when I see one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely Sean. Yes, exactly, exactly. So you keep him in line. Yeah, it was awesome. I was I saw them. Um, I did a tour out here with Jared after the scandals played. Um, they played a great show out here with Bad Religion in November, and then the band went home, and Jared stayed out here, and we did five days of shows together. And then he flew back, and then three days later, I flew back and met him in Richmond to play with the Scandals again. And it was like this awesome, like, bi-coastal bro moment. It was just so fucking cool. Awesome. Yeah. Is that the uh, Say 10 Fest? It was. Yeah, it was. That was a sweet time. That was awesome. Oh, that's strikes. I remember seeing those flyers for the Virginia one and the Scandals were for Jared's solo tour. That's crazy. Yeah. It was a good time, man. What a small world. That's a, but before you sign off, where can people find you online? That that should be something I should have asked earlier. I believe people should have legitimate, nice-looking websites. So I have a great website. It's dividedheaven.com. You can find all the information that you need there and music to listen to. And then aside from that, I have a fancy verified fake facebook page <laughs> um but yeah at divided heaven facebook instagram and twitter uh it's all the same and you can find lots of stuff but yeah man I'll, I'll send you a song and i'll send you a song but you do me a favor you tweet a link to the saves the day cover youtube video you tweet that to chris Connolly from Absolutely. saves the day because we became friends this summer on warp tour oh wow but i I don't want to like blow up a shit and be like, "Hey man, I covered your band." You yeah, know? yeah, no, I got your back, <laughs> absolutely. And then I saw him, and I was like, I was too afraid to ask him to play it with me, like on this. I was just too starstruck. So that's like one of yeah. my favorite Saves the Day songs too. Oh, dude, me too. That was a weird thing in, in Gainesville because I wanted my friend Brian to play, so he had an extra guitar player. So we went from a three piece to a four piece, and then my friend John was like, oh, "I want to play too." And I was like, all right, so I guess I'll just sing. I haven't just sang in a band, especially my own band, ever. You know, so that was my first time trying to, like, not look like an idiot. And then when I watched it back, I was like, oh, my God, every move I'm doing are the exact same moves that Chris Connolly used to do when he was just the singer for Saves the Day. I was like, my, I just, not only did I play the dude's song, I just ripped it off, off his fucking style, just, like, shamelessly, but... And so I friends. hope he sees it and he finds it endearing and we can have a beer. But, uh, yeah, otherwise. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. This is Yeah, man, for sure. Hello, good friend. We're stuck again in the same place we were before. Display my baggage on the shelf You see I could change or just give in With you I was never really sure When we scraped the sky or we stuck in hell Cause I can't speed up the time Or exchange my former life Melissa, 
militia I never really loved you We fell in the hurry up and wait Fog in the rear view